You're listening to Backstage Pass with Alford Media, your behind-the-scenes look inside event tech and what it takes to turn visions into reality. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Backstage Pass with Alford Media. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and I'm happy to re-welcome Matt Dietzler to the MarketScale studio. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. It's great to have you here. And we're also welcoming a first-time guest on Backstage Pass, Jonathan Laurence. He's an audio designer for Alford Media Services. Jonathan, great to have you in the studio. Thank you very much. Is this your first podcast? This is my first podcast. But you live around audio design, so... There, whole... There's some cross there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, my whole life's audio. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, you know, reading up on your bio, you mentioned that you have a passion for the arts, not just for audio design, but graphic arts as well. How do you see those two worlds meshing in your day-to-day work? I think a lot of what we do, audio, video, lighting, photography, even like welding and furniture building, yeah. they, all, um, they all take two parts of your brain. They take a technical portion where you have to learn a skill in order to be able to do something. But then in order to be really good at it, you have to add in the artistic portion of right. it. You can't just push a button and magically it, it's awesome. You have to right. finesse it. You have to make it make it work well. I think creatives sometimes wish there was the, the magic awesome button, but right, exactly. alas, <laughs> exactly. alas. So last time we had Matt in the studio, we were chatting about the evolution of the audio network, really how it went from analog to digital and what the effect has been of digital audio networks on the industry and on the workforce within the industry. But I think more now on this episode, we want to look at the current impact of the technology and then peer a little bit into the future, what's next for digital audio networks. So Matt, like I said, last time we spoke, we covered how and why audio production went digital and networked. So let's look at the current impact now. How would you say networked audio gear is currently simplifying, but also in some ways complicating the live event production process? Well, I think the the easier portion of that question to answer is how it's making it complicated. Okay, um, cool. Because when it when it doesn't work, you're, you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> what do I need to do? And a lot of the time it's just, it, that's where having that, that the, the topic we talked about last time where knowing how to break into a switch with sub uh, with your IP ad- address and your subnet mask and all that stuff, um, knowing how to communicate with those devices on a digital format. Um, some guys don't know how to do that. Some guys are like, I don't even know what's going on. Why are you using static IP addresses? What's your static IP address ranges? Um, so they'll get bogged down really quickly in this world where they they just got used to, to having everything automatically assign an IP. Well, Alford doesn't do that. We, we have so many devices that need to talk to each other that we've designated static IPs for everything. So when we bring in, you know, new people that are working with us or freelance engineers or, or even new staff guys, they have to learn what our, our IP ranges are and if it's not labeled, how to find that information. So that's where it gets complicated when you're like, things aren't talking. Well, why aren't they talking? Are they talking because there's a problem with the switch? Are they talking not talking right because there's a problem with the actual piece of gear? Are they not talking right because your computer's on the wrong IP address? So there's several different reasons there why it can get more complicated. The flip side of that is when everything is A-OK and you've done your homework and everything's labeled correctly and, and no one messes with our IP structure, right. it is 100% plug and play. You can plug in your computer and go, I need to talk to all the wireless mics. Pull up Sure Wireless Workbench and boom, all your wireless mics are there. Right. Now you can do all your RF coordination. That's easy. That's done. 
okay, now I need to talk to the intercom system. Boom, there's our Riedel intercom system. You can talk to it, make sure everything's correct, assign everybody's uh, wireless belt packs correctly, you're up, you're up and running. Right. You need to talk to the Amprax, boom, you're talking to the Amprax. I mean, that's where it's really easy and simple because with our wireless connectivity that we have, you can be sitting out in the middle of the ballroom doing all this and not plugged in hardwired backstage and you're in the room experiencing or trying to set up what the audience is going to experience. Right, right. Really feeling or feeding off of those audience cues and the cues of the actual event to deliver a really, uh, really hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you make a good point just in your tech jargon of networking that it's demanding a new set of skills mm -hmm. that the audio engineer is no longer just plugging in XLR. The audio engineer has to understand networking. The audio engineer has to understand what is subnet. <laughs> what is IP address? What right. is a yeah. static IP address? And why is that different than a DHCP? Right. And I sometimes I need to like read up on it and remember, well, okay, what do these what do these letters and numbers mean? Right. Because I know for for fact when I first started, I was like, I don't understand what the difference is between the two. <laughs> right. And so every now and then I have to give myself a refresher if I'm not using it, going, okay, why why is this not talking correctly? Why is it why does it talk incorrectly when my subnet is set to the wrong thing? Right but my IP address is the right thing, so. Where do you typically start with the troubleshooting process when there is something wrong? Because the way you describe it, it sounds like there are so many options for what could be going wrong if the audio network isn't functioning A-OK -okay, that it might be a little overwhelming for that audio slash network engineer to know where to start. I've actually upset quite a few people with this question when they call me. And yeah. my first question is, do you turn it on? <laughs> um, the classic. Yeah. yeah, it never fails. That's the first question. Uh, the next question is, is it plugged in? Yeah. Well, is it plugged into the right spot? Right. So you... That's where it starts, and then it gets more complicated. Well, okay, what's the IP address of this? What's the IP address of your computer? So you work your way, you work your way down. Now, with certain programs out there, you know, um, touching on what we're going to touch on later, Luminex and Martin specifically, they have uh, their software. If you're looking at the right diagnostic window, will tell you almost exactly where that problem is, and you can go, oh, it's in this part of the chain, and if it's in the truss for something, you can go, it's right there, and you walk over there, and lo and behold that's the one thing that you were able to, to pinpoint based off of the software you're looking at. Right. I think our, our struggles are very similar. Yeah. You know, it's, it, there's education about networking and understanding how that works and how that's beneficial. But I mean, definitely it makes things so much simpler in, in that, you know, we used to run giant copper snakes that were super heavy right. and now we can run a cat five cable or fiber and it uh, simplifies things in that way, you know, just to, you can have a lot more flexibility. It gives you uh, communication back and forth between the backstage and the front of house. And it uh, simplifies in a lot of ways. Matt, last time we spoke about how professionals within the industry have had to adapt over the last 30 plus years to get accustomed to these digital audio networks. Let's talk about the training that has to happen today. You introduce a new piece of audio technology and your professionals have to adapt within the week, right? What kind of training goes into preparing Alford Media freelancers or people in-house to run these networks efficiently? The the best advice I can give anybody, and I had to learn this the hard way, was read the manual. Yeah. Um, wow, all, all the answers <laughs> seem to be so simple, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I I was helping a freelance engineer troubleshoot something on show site, and he was giving me some attitude. I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he was giving me some hardcore attitude. A little sass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 in the phone I said, stop. 
stop yelling at me, first of all. I know this could be easier, but I'm literally reading you the instructions from the manual. So you can either download the manual yourself or you can listen to me to make it work. Um, to Matt Dietzler's sweet voice to yeah. help soothe him through the process. Yeah, I was right? just like, man, like, I'm like, literally, just read the manual. It's not that hard. Um, I, I had to learn that the hard way. And I was on show site and I called somebody and they gave me that answer. And I went, I should probably start reading the things I'm doing. Um, yeah, it was one of our close friends, uh, Ryan Sartell, who's just a brilliant minded human being. Um, and he knows it and he'll tell you. Um, we, we absolutely love the guy, but I was on show site and he was like, or he asked me a question. I don't remember if I was on show site or not, but he asked me a question and I didn't know the answer. And he looked at me, and goes, do your homework. And I was like, okay. Um, if I'm expected to know these things when I walk in the room, I better be researching it. Right. So let's chat about that technology. You briefly mentioned it, but I think it's time to dig in and really look at how specific tech is helping improve the digital network scene for the AV industry. So what would you say is the best and newest technology that is simplifying and really pushing that live audio production network forward? And either of you can answer here. Simplifying is the tricky one because right. a lot of the... If, if we look at Martin Audio and what they're doing... Well, if it's speakers, not really simplifying, it, if, it's, if it's improving, it's I guess. It's improving and it's elevating the listener's experience. Yeah. Uh, Martin Audio makes a fantastic product, several products that are fantastic. Um, their top-of-the-line uh, line array system is called MLA, Multicellular Line Array. Multicellular Loudspeaker Array. Loudspeaker Array. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what it is. As um, I read it off the yeah, that's what I <laughs> um, but what they do is they have they have a speaker that has the amp module built into the back of it, which has ne network capabilities and then obviously analog XLR capabilities. But you use a software to designate how the listener is going to hear your line array. So you say where the audience zone is, where you want it to focus, if there's walls you want to avoid, where the stage is if you don't want any spill on the stage, and you can actually take that PA and aim it and focus it into a certain area. Digitally. Digitally. And you can walk in and out of it. You'll be standing there and you could walk, I, we've done it before, uh, Jonathan and I together, where you walk through that zone and you're like, okay, and now I'm out of the pattern. And you can, you can hear the drastic, just incredible drop off. And we've done multiple um, speaker shootouts where we set up multiple different manufacturers and you can hear just how focused the MLA is because of how quiet it is behind the array where other loudspeakers kind of spill low end frequencies everywhere. Martin's able to focus more of that stuff forward, um, which helps with uh, really challenging acoustic areas, which we work in quite a bit in ballrooms. Um, it also helps with uh, feedback problems where you, you have to hang a speaker in a not so premium location. So you know, well, in a normal speaker situation, I'm going to have spill on the stage. I'm most likely going to have to hack out frequencies to eliminate feedback. Right. Now you don't have to do that. Right. Um, so that's that's really how we're leveraging that with the, the network capabilities of it and the digital steering of this um, line array system. And then they have their, their second tier line, which is the wavefront wave precision, which is a scalable line array. It does sort of the same thing, but it doesn't do it by um, the cells in each speaker. It does it by speaker box. So you can do one box resolution, two box resolution, three or four box resolution, where you those four boxes will all have the same resolution coming out of them. And you can, you're not as precise in your focus, but you still have incredible flexibility and it's a sounding, it sounds amazing. Right. Well, I mean, I think especially when you look at the venues where you can see maximum returns from this kind of technology. Uh, I mean, your modern ballroom 
sports stadium, anything, they're having to flip daily. You know, they have a, a football game, then they have a soccer game, then they have a concert, then they have a, a graduation ceremony, right? And all of those require different acoustics. And I feel like this technology can simplify getting the right content through that network and aimed at where it needs to be without you know, needing days of prep or even just hours of prep, right, to to get uh, professionals there to repoint the loudspeakers and and troubleshoot, okay, repoint, okay, try again, repoint. You know, now you can just do it all digitally. Um, what venue do you think is really going to see the biggest returns from technology like this? And how do you think that's going to affect professionals within AV? The biggest one that I've noticed personally is convention centers that yeah. have a lot of concrete and a lot of metal and they're very hard surfaces and they reflect everything. A lot of reverb. A lot of reverb. Mm-hmm. You'll have uh, a Boston Convention Center is definitely one of the the convention centers that sticks out. They did a test up there where I think it was at like 200 hertz. The decay time was like 14 seconds, <laughs> which, is, <gasps> which is insane. Right. You know, we joke and every time we go into that convention center that we can still hear the... Uh, hear the subs from the last show right. we were in um, because it's so it just echoes and it just nonstop echoes and the MLA has proven to be effective there now we in the the shows that we've done there we've added you know drape to help soak up some sound but when you're focusing the speakers in a in the direction they need to be focused and you're digitally steering it to to help cut that down even more right. those are the those are the challenges that you begin to avoid. Uh, I don't I don't see it as being a super flexible option in an arena where you're using maybe you're doing ice skating and then you're doing, you know, basketball or something mm-hmm. and you're completely changing the audience area. But for what we do, managing where the audio goes and having more control over that is a fantastic fantastic thing. So it sounds like these improvements are pretty revolutionary, but eventually you get to some sort of ceiling, um, but I wonder how close are we to that ceiling? So I wanted to ask y'all, do you think that there's still a lot of room to grow for digital audio networks, or do you think they're approaching or already kind of plateauing a bit, and why? I think there's plenty of room to grow. Yeah. There's there's always room to grow. We're, we're just getting into the, uh, what is it, the IoT, the Internet of Things, Ooh. and everything being, yeah, exactly, everything being connected and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, working together. And so that's you know, that's what we're moving towards in the audio is that the console is connected, the amps are all connected, we could talk to everything and be able to, it's getting more and more simple to view that from one place. So you're not looking at a bunch of different monitors, you're looking at it from from one place and able to see where everything's doing and levels and all that good stuff, make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and I think that'll continue and, and become easier right. in many ways. Uh, it has its challenges, but I don't think we're, we haven't plateaued. I know the standard right now is Cat5 connection for all this tech. Do you think there's a future where everything can go wireless and it's going to be efficient or it's going to be reliable? Or is Cat5 and Ethernet going to be basically the standard for a while? It's going to be the standard for a while. Yeah. It's just, the, the RF environment is so busy mm-hmm. that it's difficult to get isolation. And, you know, in a show environment... Uh, you want it to work. <laughs> in an office, if your internet goes down for a minute, you're like, eh, it'll be back in a minute. Right. But on a show environment, when you're trying to perform, eh, that's not so much. Well, and the, the other flip side to that too is we're looking at 
the new you know IP protocols, which are getting more in depth. Uh, video signal is now moving towards a Cat5 connection. Uh, SMPTE 2110 is their new standard, and the audio version of that is AES67, uh, which is a more robust uh, IP connection, which allows you to talk to things a lot more efficiently with less um, delay time on it. Um, and when you're talking delay time, we're talking milliseconds of delay time, but some standards, um, like when Dante first came out, was which we talked about last time, the millisecond delay on that was so high that it was, it was unmanageable at some times. You're like, why aren't things lining up? Well, now that's gotten better. Dante's gotten better, but the next step of that is AES67. And you're seeing that with Riedel's Bolero um, wireless solution, which is their intercom solution. And with paired with the Luminex switch, you're seeing delay time in when you talk to when you hear it in the like four to five milliseconds of delay, which is you, you can't hear that to right. the human ear. So what do you think Alford is doing differently with this technology that maybe other companies in the AV space aren't? Or what unique solutions are you finding with this tech that you think is pretty first to market? The big one that comes out to me is is MeteorNet, which is Riedel's network uh, fiber-based solution for signal transport, um, network audio, video, intercom. Um, we were the first people to really bring that into the corporate market. Um, it's been in the broadcast world for since it is been in existence. Right. I'm not sure when the first MeteorNet frame was created, but. Um, you know, it's it's used in NBC broadcasts. It's used in um, the Olympics. It's used uh, red everything Red Bull does. They have MeteorNet at, and we saw this solution of hey, these guys are transporting tons of video and audio signals at a very low millisecond delay time, with a very robust fiber connection. How can we implement that into our system? So instead of running twenty to thirty copper cables to another room, we're running one TAC12 fiber, and that's it. So we're able to do more ro remote locations with clients and then feed that information back into a general session, and there's almost no delay. It's like we're talking to each other right here. Well, I think we're also looking at the whole we're looking at the whole audio system and addressing having everything network together mm -hmm. and be a system together and not just individual components that, hey, I can connect to that wirelessly and adjust the wireless mics, but yeah. that everything we have networked together and a plan to have it networked together so that we can actually, you know, do that for real. <laughs> and it's redundant. And it's redundant. Yes. <laughs> and I bet having something like Alford Access to communicate that to all your freelancers and get everyone on the same page early is probably extremely helpful and just like an extra tool in Alford's belt yeah. to make y'all stand out in the industry. Well, I think that's going to be, we're just rolling out Alford Access now. Um, I don't know how many of our clients are currently using it, mm -hmm. but as soon as they announced that they were going to roll it out to clients, I was like, put everybody on it because now that gives them a direct connection to the professionals they're going to be working with on show site. Mm -hmm. So now we don't have to play a game of telephone where a client talks to a sales guy who talks to an operations person who talks to a tech or who talks to a department head. And then now we've created this star of miscommunication because what the tech has heard, but what the client has said might not be the same thing. It's right. been interpreted by four different people. Right. Now we have one source of communication between everybody and they can go, what's the best solution for this? And someone can chime in and go, honestly, it's gonna be two MeteorNet frames, one here in Video Village and one in your remote location. And we can connect 
everything that you need to connect between those two. And they go, holy crap, what's this MeteorNet thing? And then you get to explain what's going on. And they're like, man, I, I want this. And right. we've, we've had that on several shows. And that's how we're starting to break that into the market more. So I think a lot of the tech that you've mentioned, obviously their selling point is the versatility, that it can adjust more easily to each venue, to each event. Um, what would you say is the biggest breakthrough as of late that has made digital audio networks even more versatile? And how do you see that impacting the future of technological growth or professional training or anything within the industry? I think this is a good time for you to talk about Luminex switches. Yeah, I mean, we Luminex makes a, a phenomenal product. They they took they took a switch that you had to have like a lot of required training to really understand what was going through like your your standard Netgear and Cisco switches mm -hmm. where quite frankly I could not figure out how to do anything on one of those because I don't have the training but they made that so simple in their you know what we talked about last time their VLAN network mm -hmm. where you can just you you log into the switch you click the ports that want to be on the same VLAN and you hit that's going to be group 1 mm -hmm. and bam there it is you do that on a Cisco switch and you have to reboot it and it takes 15 minutes and you're like, I don't even know, what if I programmed the wrong one then and didn't label it? Right. Because <laughs> I've been yelling for a little labeling bit. Yeah, right. things. You're like, oh shoot, now I got to log back into the switch. No, we eliminated that with Luminex and how they can communicate. Um, so that that I think is the real, that, that network ability and just how good the, of a product they make really became, you know, the foundation of, of, I think, AV networking, not just for video or audio or lighting, but everybody. Because um, now we can plant these Luminex switches in all of Alford and we could connect everything with fiber and our entire company is on one network. Um, whereas before, the audio guys would set up their network, video guys would set up their network, Lighting guys will set up their network. There's 40 different uh, wired Wi-Fi connections right. you can connect to. Right. And now with the Luminex stuff, there's four. And they all say Alford. And you just need to know which Alford one is you. So that's the next evolution for us is we're, we're not just looking at how Alford Audio connects. We're looking at how Alford Media connects right. on show site. Right. Which I'm sure makes collaboration between all those different show departments in the moment so much more simple and efficient and i mean you can make those quick changes to the show if you need to on the fly to really deliver that custom experience that people are expecting yeah and it gives you a more a more robust infrastructure mm -hmm. rather than throwing whatever cheap switch you bought at fries up you know on the console just so you can talk to it you know it gives it an actual professional infrastructure that we can connect to and it's more reliable well, Jonathan, Matt, thank you both for joining us in the studio and giving us this insight into the current and the future of digital audio networks. I mean, it seems like it's an exciting time. And like you said, we're not hitting that plateau anytime soon. There's still room to grow, even though there are some staples that we won't see go away, aka our Cat5. We're sticking to Ethernet because wireless is not reliable. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jonathan, for joining us. Really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to Backstage Pass, brought to you by Alford Media. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.